0: All right, so today we're in Galatians, so we're continuing our our study and our walk through Galatians. We're in Galatians chapter 3. We talked about the familiar and how it's an entrapment that brings us back to things that we really don't want to go back to, but it's familiar, so we find safety in it, even though it's unhealthy, and even though it's not where we need to be. The familiar brings uh, comfortability. In other words, we're comfortable there, but we need to pursue the things of God, the opportunities that lay ahead for us to grow and, and, and God to stretch us and to be able to be all that God has called us to be. We talked about uh, who's thinking God for you? In other words, how are you imparting into someone else's life that they would look to you and say, I thank God for you. And if you're not, why not? Why are you not investing in someone that you love or someone that you feel like loves you or someone that you can be a part of ministry together or just a part of life together that would have an impact of value That they would thank God for you. And if you're not having anybody that would say, I thank God for you, maybe you need to examine your investment in other people. The third thing we talked about in this series is, who are you listening to? And that makes a big difference because who you listen to will always carve the path of where you're going. So you need to make sure that you're listening to the right voice, that you're listening to the right things, that you're listening and filling your heart and your mind with the true and life-giving things of life, and not just an opinion or not just what somebody says, especially when it's negative and it's bad. We talked a little bit last week about hypocrisy and authenticity, that we understand that we have to be what God wants us to be, and we're going to take... I'll just pause just for a moment. But as we talk about hypocrisy, understand the church is full of hypocrites. You know why? You're here. And I'm here. So we're full of hypocrites. So if somebody's using, thank you, sir, if somebody's using hypocrisy to stay out of the church, understand there is no church on the planet that you can go because all churches are full of hypocrites because the world is full of hypocrites. We say one thing, we do another. We think one thing, we do another. We see one thing and we say another. Matter of fact, did you know that the eyewitness account in a crime scene is the most unreliable source of information of anything that you can get? The eyewitness, you know why? Because I see something and you see something else and he sees something else. And, and we, we always have a filter in which we look through. So we need to understand who we are because hypocrisy takes place. But authenticity is being an understanding that we're gods. We can be secure in gods because God loves us no matter who we are. God loves us. He loved us while we were yet still sinners and he died for us. And we don't have to go around being somebody we're not to garnish the love of God. He loved us at our worst state. Jesus loved us. However, he doesn't want us to stay there. Amen. I love it. And the song says, just as I am, I come, I come to remember it's the old invitation song. We used to sing in church all the time, just as I am without one plea. And we sung 345 verses of it every Sunday. So people could come to the altar and have a transformational experience with Jesus Christ. And it's a great song. Jesus does want us to come just as we are to him. We don't have to clean up. We don't have to straighten up. We don't have to do anything. We come just as we are. But here's the good news. Jesus won't let us stay just as we are. He's in the transformational build business, and he transforms your heart. He transforms your life. He transforms you more and more into the image of a holy, a righteous, and acceptable person unto God, not because of our efforts or because of our abilities or our gifts or our graces, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And our lives can be transformed in that. And so for us to understand, hypocrisy will always be there as something that we have to deal with. Authenticity is also understanding who you are and whose you are, and your love no matter what. And God is constantly in the process of transforming us, and we're in the constant process of submitting to his will and letting that transformation take place. Amen? Amen. 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 And today we we pick up in chapter 3. Chapter 3, Paul is writing to the Galatians. And he says this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit... You are now trying to attain your goal by human effort. And what's the goal, by the way? What's the goal? Be Christ-like, Be Christ-like? Okay, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. What is our goal? Be thinking about it. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it is really for nothing, does God give you this spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law? Everybody say the law. Hmm. Or because you believe what you've heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed among Abraham, the man of faith. Everybody say faith. Faith, all who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by what? The righteous will live by what? The righteous will live by what? The law is not based on faith. Hmm. Wow, we could just stop right there, couldn't we? The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we have we might receive the promise of of the Spirit. Say the Spirit. Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We ask this morning that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Paul is trying to get to the Galatians to understand that they're going back to a familiar, and we talked this about in the first thing, they're going back to a familiar way that does not hold the secret or does not hold And possess what God is really desiring for each man's heart. And that is to be free. And that is to be redeemed. And that is to be filled with the Spirit. Say filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Spirit. You see, the only way that somebody can be filled with the Spirit is Christ dwell in us. And if Christ dwells in us, the Spirit of God is there also. He also, understand this, he also said that the Spirit that dwells in Christ also dwells in us. Matter of fact, when he went. Well the day of Pentecost he he, he went, well not the day be he went before the day of Pentecost and he said I go tarry in Jerusalem because I go there to intercede to the Father to send to you the Comforter, the one who will endow you or endue you with power to be able to overcome the world. And that is the Spirit of God, say the Spirit of God the Spirit of God. So the disciples tarried in Jerusalem. There was 126 of them in the upper room and they were all there. Not just the 12. There were 126 at that time that was in the upper room and they were praying. And they were praying in unity that they be filled with the Spirit. That they wait patiently in obedience to God and they receive the promise of God. And we're going to be talking about the promise a little bit next week. And the promise of God. And suddenly like a rushing of the mighty wind and a roaring of thunder and tongues of fire, the Spirit of God came and it filled their hearts, and they began to speak in tongues that people may understand the gospel in all sorts of different languages. The Spirit of God came and filled them, not because they were observing the law, but because they were in obedience to Christ. Amen. Observing the law means that we live by a set of stale, static rules that not often apply to the current situation that God has placed us for his glory to be revealed. The law is based upon what we can accomplish and not what God can do in our hearts and lives. If we live by the law, we have to keep every bit of the law for the law to work in our hearts. And we know that we're all hypocrites, right? So if we're hypocrites, hypocritical in some of the things we say and do and stuff, and that's consistent across eons of time and people, if that be true, then by the law has no way to redeem us, right? It is no way, okay? Okay. But when we believe the word of God, when we believe what God has done through grace, when we believe and then exercise in our heart and we confess with our mouth, and John says that's how we become saved, there's a thing that enters into our life called faith. And see, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning. That's what Paul is alluding to. Abraham was considered a righteous man because he lived his life by faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1. if you go back and you define faith, what is faith? We have one Bible scholar in the, in the, in the house. Do we have others? Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith for us because sometimes it's difficult for us to define faith. Faith is the, what? Substance of things hoped for. But the evidence of things not seen. In the NIV, it says, things that we're sure of, even when it's not visible to our eyes. That's hope. I mean, that's faith. So the question is, how does faith enter into our lives as we live our Christian lives? How does it manifest itself? How does it apply to us? How how do we grow in that faith and become more and more the disciple or the follower of Jesus Christ? How does this happen? Well, Paul says, it's clearly not going back to the law. But there's a caveat with it. The law's been fulfilled through Jesus Christ, but the law's not been done away with. It's still there. In other words, there's attributes of the law that's still very beneficial for us, but it does, does not accomplish what the law was designed to do in the first place. To do that, we have to understand why the law was given the law was given as a price and a punishment that paid for our sin. In other words, the law was designed for us to understand the cost of disobedience to God and what we must do to remind ourselves every day that we failed in that process. That's what the law does, it reminds us every day that we failed. How about you? Will you try to keep rules? <laughs> I can't even keep a diet rule. Much less a holy rule, you know. It's, it's hard for me to keep rules. God knew this. But yet, there were rules that were given, and then there were sacrifices and a, and a, and a ritual that was given too for the price of sin. Jesus came, and when Jesus came, he paid the price of sin. He said he perpetuated our sin. In other words, he paid the price in full. So the law was fulfilled. In other words, the law had been fulfilled. It accomplished that penance that was required by God when we disobeyed in the garden. It also did away with the sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, it said the veil that separated the ordinary man from God, the holy of holies, was rent from top to bottom. What Jesus did was he reconciled and brought us back into relationship that we may have access to the Father. Isn't that good news? Woo! It's good news. Jesus perpetuated, he paid the price of sin and restored and redeemed us back to a place of fellowship with God. It's only through Jesus, not by anything that we've done, not by anything we will ever do, not by the lawfully lawfully thoughts, not by the lawfully deeds, not by sacrificing everything. It doesn't matter. We cannot accomplish it. But Jesus did on the cross. He paid for it and through his paying that price, we know life and redemption and fulfillment in it. But, but it requires faith. Hebrews 11, one defines faith and it gives the example. Even in verse two, it talks about Abraham. Abraham considered himself righteous because he had faith to leave his home country and go out. And it Caleb, Caleb had faith uh, uh, Joshua had faith it talks about faith for a whole chapter it talks about examples about how people have faith and it also says in 11.6 it says without faith it is impossible to please God say impossible. It's, impossible it's impossible to please God what is faith? faith is the surety of knowing who you are and what God did and knowing that he loves you faith is also being sure of the things that we hope for but we don't yet see. Now, now, give me an example. Everybody wants to go to heaven, right? I don't know if anybody said boy I sure am looking forward to going to hell. <laughs> boy that's, a, that's on my bucket list. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to hell. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Okay. And a lot of times our hope we define our hope as Christians as going to heaven. Ooh, can't wait to my hope. I, I did a funeral Saturday. Miss Gloria King, bless her heart. She was a great lady. Worked forty-two years as a receptionist for DHR. Forty-two years. That's amazing. And she had a heart of gold. Heart of gold. She's receiving her true and just reward as she is dancing with Jesus and the angels and praising God and worshiping in heaven. And I know that her joy is complete, amen? Amen. But if that's the only hope that we have is to get in heaven, and some of you call it fire insurance, if that's the only reason that you follow God is to have some fire insurance, you're missing the boat. Because see, faith leads us to life. Faith leads us to possibilities. Faith leads us to going beyond what we know into the unknown, and where there's the unknown, Jesus is waiting for us. And not only is he waiting for us, but he's with us, carrying us along at the same time. You see, all faith is is us choosing to believe God instead of our fears. All faith is is choosing to understand that what God says is more true than what we believe. Faith is understanding God's got this. It's not just about us, but it's about Jesus. Jesus. I know we've got lunch today. I'm going to try to be quick. But here's a couple of things you need to understand about faith. Faith and fear do not cohabitate. Faith and fear do not cohabitate. And when you go back to the law, you're going back to the familiar, and familiar usually is is shrouded in comfort, but it's really fear. Faith is being sure that God is for you. Faith is understanding that I am more than conquerors. Faith is being sure that I'm an overcomer bought by the blood of the Lamb. Faith is understanding that Jesus is always with me. He's my ever-present help in any time, but much less the time of need. Faith is understanding that God is my refuge and my source. He's my high calling. He's my surety. Faith is understanding that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Faith is a surety. Even though sometimes the circumstances says, you're not going to come out of this, okay. Faith is saying, Yes, I am. Yes, sir. Faith is in the midst of when everything seems to be in disarray and discourse. And faith is something that says it's going to be okay. Because this is going to lead us to a place of assurance. This is going to lead us to a place of possibility. This is going to lead us to a place of blessing. You know, in my life, I've, I've, I've never experienced anything that was great or significant in my life that didn't first require me to take a risk. To step out into the unknown. To step out when I'm trembling, not in scaredness, but I'm trembling because of the awesomeness that I know waits before me because God is there. And I'm trying to follow. Are y'all listening to me at all this morning? Going back to the law, something we're trying to make the law do something for us, it was never designed to do, and it never could do. But understanding faith as we apply it in our Christian walk every day transforms us and from fear people to possibility people. From people that are always down in gloom and despair and agony to people that are always looking at the possibilities. They're seeing the glass half full. Because they know God is more than the glass itself. So many times we try to limit God to what we understand, how we can define, how we can put together and make sense of. You know, it's really sad to me. Somebody told me, I can't serve a God that I don't understand. I said, I can't serve a God that I fully understand. Because if I served a God that I fully understood, He wasn't pretty much of a God. Because have y'all seen my brain lately? Nope, Nope, doctors ain't either. (laughs) And that's my whole point. Faith is being sure that God's got you. In Sunday school we talked, we're in Romans we talked a little bit about Paul writing to the Romans, talking about building a foundation, that Jesus is the foundation. Matter of fact, he's the chief cornerstone. And if you ever built, you've got to have a cornerstone, a stone that you plumb and and, and make sure everything is level with and, and justify with. Jesus is the true cornerstone, and we build a foundation. But listen, on that foundation, we have a lot of say of how we build it. And the problem is, we don't do a lot of building. What happens is, we accept Jesus, He becomes the foundation, and we just like, okay, God, whatever you want. And we have no action to it. We have no building that goes on in our life. We don't study the scripture. We don't pray. We don't come to church to be encouraged. We're not investing in other people's lives. We're just got our fire insurance. And folks, that's not faith. And we're not building on that foundation. Building on that foundation is speaking with God and being challenged to take the next step, whatever that step is, a little closer to God. And for some of you, the next step is... For some of you, it's... And most of us are going... like the matrix, Lord don't let that spirit hit me because if the spirit hits me, I'm gonna have to do something with it. Because listen, the worst thing in the world that can happen to you is God speak for you and to you and ask you to do something you say no. Come on now. I know I'm not the only one that's ever done that. Or when you get so confident in something, you think you can do something, Without God really doing it, mm. I was in South Carolina one time. I was pastoring a church. I've been I've been pastoring churches before the time started, just about. But anyway, long time. I got up to preach one day. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. Man, I tell you what, I could preach with the best of them. I can get excited. I can calm down. I can flow with the spirit. I can proclaim. I can do all these different things. We just had a a week revival and I preached it. And we had literally, literally a bunch of people get saved. I don't know. I want to say thousands, but that'd be a lie. (laughs) I got up the next Sunday. If you have your Bibles Let's see what God has to say. So pious. And I preached a sermon that had me in tears on Tuesday because I prepared this sermon and I was crying, weeping. My I mean, the yellow pad was just soaked, had bubbles all over it. You know, when you get paper wet and how it bubbles, you know, and stuff. I had bubbles all over it because I was just sobbing all over it. I said, oh God, this is good. This is good. We're gonna, There's still going to be thousands more get saved, maybe two. But anyway, this is good. And I got up in the pulpit and I preached that sermon. And it was awful. Horrible horrible. I mean, horrible is not even a word for it. It was worse than horrible. It was so bad at the, at the door when people were coming out, they were saying, I'm sorry, pastor. I'm sorry. I'm praying for you, pastor. I'm praying. It'll get better, pastor. Next Sunday, come on, pastor. It's going to be fun. That's how bad it was. I went to the altar and I started praying. God, I don't understand. It was a great sermon. What happened? God spoke to me nearly audibly. and He revealed two things to me. He said, first of all, he said, that was just for you, not my people. You gave them the wrong message. And just because it was for you, you didn't seek me more to find out what I had to say to my people. Because here's the, what the second problem was. You tried to preach without the anointing of God. And it's the anointing of God that breaks the yokes and sets captives free. It's the anointing of God that sets our hearts in tune with the Spirit of God. It's the anointing of God that says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's the anointing of God that bears witness to those souls. And I wept again. I said, God, I don't want to ever preach a sermon without you anymore. Not one. And if you're not there, I'll just shut the Bible and sit down. I can't tell you how scary that is because there's a lot of Sundays that I come in here and I've gone to other places and God says, that's not the sermon I want you to preach. The one that I've worked all week long on. The one that I've got insights on. The one that I've got these wonderful words and nuggets of knowledge that I can pass on. And God says, nope, that's not what I want you to preach today. Okay, what would you like for me to preach on? And he's faithful every time to give a word. Just what was needed at the time for the people he knew that I didn't. See obedience is better than sacrifice. God is looking for a people of faith, not running back to a legal system that they find security in and they can also use to judge other people with. Oh oh did we we didn't even talk about that we got lunch well, we didn't talk about that, did we? The law not only is a familiar place for people to go and find security, but it's a place that they can also launch their missiles and attack other people from. <laughs> it's morning 820 service. We sang a song, Trust and Obey. Anybody remember that song? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, guess what? There's four verses of that song. I heard them sing three verses and they were singing like it's 8.20 in the morning. And I stopped them on the last verse and I said, okay, we're going to sing this verse. And on the last chorus, I want you to sing this song like you're living it, but your next door neighbor's not. I said, y'all know what I mean. We sung the verse, and when we got to the chorus, they nearly blew me out of the chancel. <laughs> we, we, it's true. We like to judge other people, don't we? You know why? Because when we judge them and find them failing, it makes us more exalted. But really and truly, our righteousness, God says, is like filthy rags to God. And it does you no good to talk about somebody else's filthy rags when yours is just as dirty, if not more. Scripture says something about that. Let me see what it says. First, take the log out of your eye before you try to take the speck out of somebody else's. Is that right? I believe that's what it says. But we're so busy because we're trying to feel good about ourselves instead of understanding how that feel-goodism comes. The feel-goodism is being right with God. The feel-goodism, knowing that your soul is right with God. The feel-goodism is knowing that you're operating in obedience with God. The feel-goodism, knowing when you're operating in your life by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you're not pleasing God, you will never please yourself. Never. Never. So the question is for us today how do we grow our faith as Christian people because we realize we're on a faith journey? It's a journey, it's living and breathing. Faith is in our lives. We're choosing all the time how faith is going to interact, how faith is going to inter- interject into our lives. Everything's about faith for us as Christians. Everything's about faith. Everything's about faith. Our relationship is about faith. Our, our, our work is about faith. Our interactions in church and coming to church, is about faith. Faith. It's not going about heaven. We hope to go to heaven. It's true. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to live this life with my hope just in heaven because Jesus says, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, Y'all know that prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? Where? <sighs> that just changed everything. Because now my hope is not just about heaven, but my hope is still here while I'm here. It's not superseded. It's not something that's uh, uh, what's that? deferred. It's not something that's coming later. This is something that we live and breathe right now. Faith. How is faith interacting in your life? Because if faith is not interacting within your life and being real to you, then maybe you're headed back toward the law. Let me ask you a question. How are you building your faith? Jesus is the foundation, right? But how do we build our faith? Are we faithful about building our faith? I know, I'm I'm hurrying. Building our faith is not a fast-moving event. Sometimes it's methodical and it's slow. My wife wanted a greenhouse. And I told her I was gonna build her a greenhouse. And I am building her greenhouse. I've been working on this uh, this greenhouse since April. And I'm not finished yet. But when I get done, it's gonna be a greenhouse for the ages. It's going to have electricity. It's going to have not one source, but two source of plumbing. It's got a concrete floor. It's got operational windows. And it was put together by these hands. These hands. When I get done, it's going to be a greenhouse that she will be proud of. Amen? I poured the foundation, and I've been steadily building on it just a little bit at a time. And what I could do, nearly all by myself. But see, I couldn't go up there and just do it all at once. I had to allocate and build on it step by step, stick by stick, foundation by walls, by supports, by roof, by siding. All these things come together to make a building complete. But it takes intentionality. There's some weeks I didn't even go. Didn't go to the farm. Because I was too busy taking care of you. <laughs> Y'all just let that sit in. Let's let that sit. Okay. And if you're watching by home, just pray for us. But anyway. We build this house on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But we build it By faith. Faith leads us to the next step. To the next partition. To the next wall. To the next addition. To the next this. To the next that. It's faith that guides us along this journey. How are you building your house? Is it by rules and regulation? Or is it by faith in the spirit of God that transcends all the knowledge that we could gain but it's fluid in our lives to be able to reveal the truths of what's next and what's necessary for us. Because the secret about her greenhouse, it's not like any greenhouse I've seen. It's different. You know why? Because I'm different, and I built it. She's different because she's going to use it not because I haven't seen other greenhouses because I have it's not because we haven't experience, experienced or even explored different models we have but it's unique to us for what we wanted to accomplish and what we had available for us to do God's not asking you to do anything that he doesn't make available for you to do with. He's just asking you to be willing be faithful in the process Amen Law minds controls and judges Only God could fulfill it and He did The Spirit of God through faith sets us free, liberates us and builds a house that only God can do where are you today? Be challenged. to Start this process of faith. Hoping and being sure, knowing who you are and whose you are, and operating by faith in that vein. Like grace, and mercy, humbleness, love. Be evident in all things. For this is what God uses to grow us into His admonitions. Into his likeness, into his image. May the God of peace and joy rest upon you. May his spirit fill you to overflowing. May you know his peace. May you know his joy. And may love abound in every facet of your life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and everyone said, You're glad you came to church this morning? I'm glad you did too. Thanks for joining us. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you'll find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please, download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home, and we hope you enjoy your Friendship North experience.